Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you very much indeed. Let me pray for us as we sit. Let's pray together. Our Father, on this uh, Mission Sunday, as we've been thinking about um, cross-cultural mission and the task of being disciple-makers all week, we pray, please, that as we come to a familiar Bible passage, that you would give us not necessarily new insights, but a resolve and a new desire to obey your word and to go into all the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, do please keep your Bibles open. Now, you might also find it helpful if you look at the back of your um, uh, service order, the blue service order that you had. I put an outline um, on, the, on the back, and uh, it's landscape just because it fits better. Um, so that's that. One of the great privilege, the privileges that comes with being the vicar here is uh, having opportunity, indeed being encouraged by our mission committee to um, visit mission partners in various parts of the world. I have, of course, as I've done it, enjoyed seeing Budapest and Istanbul and Phnom Penh in Cambodia. But um, so much more than the sightseeing, and that was great fun, I've spent time with people who have made significant personal sacrifice for the gospel when I've gone on those visits. As a number of you will know, most of you will know, that um, 18 months ago or so I went to visit the Norgates in Cambodia. And there they are, were working in the slum community, um, being taken into that situation. My, I have never seen anything like it, the deprivation. Um, I've never experienced anything like it before. Unless I go back there, I doubt I ever will again. Um, And um, yet seeing the remarkable love that Jonathan and Zoe had for the people there was, um, was moving. I mean, really profound. And knowing the cost to the Norgates to go out there and to do that kind of work, the personal cost, which I won't run through now, but it's been extraordinary. Um, I visited Robin and Lorna, I won't mention their surnames, um, in Central Asia, I won't mention the place they live in, um, one of our longest serving mission partners, if not the longest. Um, Caroline and I went, um, we enjoyed our trip there, um, and you know, just seeing the way they've raised their family in a different culture, immersed themselves in that culture, quite something. Um, uh, hearing about the danger faced by Christians in that part of the world that they're working with, indeed um, meeting some of those who uh, are in danger of their life uh, or of imprisonment. Uh, We visited the Oatridges in Hungary. Um, In many ways, not a tough environment in which to live at all. It's not illegal to be a Christian there. In fact, if you're not a Christian, it's kind of a bit weird. Most people are, at least culturally. It's not difficult in terms of living conditions. They're not living in slum conditions, far from it. And yet, it is hard for them being in the church 
that they're in. The church scene is not easy. Again, I won't say any more than that because this is possibly going to go live. Um, and yet they are loyally committed to supporting their local church family. They miss this church family terribly. All in different situations, and I could go on and on, but these mission partners are all, well, they're all capable, intelligent people. All could have had careers that would give them a very comfortable life here in Britain. But they've swapped that for the struggles of overseas and cross-cultural mission, giving up a, a life of comfort and ease, leaving church friends and their own family behind. And when you're in that situation, you, 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 you're bound to ask, why? Why would they do it? Of course, there are loads of answers to that question. They do it because they know that Jesus Christ is the only name under heaven by which men and women must be saved, as it says in the book of Acts. And so compelled by love, they go and tell people about Jesus. They do it because they know that being a disciple of Jesus means sacrifice. What does Jesus say? If anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross. I mean, yeah, that's not like an added extra. That is the Christian life, sacrifice. And they're prepared to live a life of sacrifice. They go because they're more concerned for the glory of God than their own advancement or comfort or reputation. I could go on and on with reasons why they go. You'll have to ask them why they go. But as we turn to Matthew 28 this evening, we are given one big reason why all men and women should make it a priority to tell others about the gospel. And it is this. Making disciples is God's big plan for the world. It is the big thing that God is doing in history. Of course, you'll, you'll hear Christians make a case for putting our energies into other things, social justice and concern for the poor, health care and education, protecting the environment, halting climate change, that sort of thing. And yes, you can go to the Bible and make a case for those things, but, and I'm not saying they're not important, but... They are all secondary to God's one big agenda of making disciples. Now that is quite a big statement, but I'm going to show you why before we look at the detail. And you can see it when you look at the way Matthew's gospel is constructed. It's not complicated, this, but just stay with me for a few minutes. I've put it on the handout for you to see. And uh, what you need to do is keep your finger in Matthew 28, because we're going to stay there in a moment. But come back to the beginning of Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 1. And you will see the way that Matthew has constructed his gospel to, point, to make the point that the big global thing that God has been doing through history is to make disciples. So Matthew chapter 1. As you know, as you can see, Matthew starts his gospel with a genealogy of Jesus. Jesus' family tree, if you want to put it that way. But look at the summary of that genealogy in verse 17. Thus, having written all this, thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. Now, I've put this on the handout, but I'll talk you through it, lead you through it now. See, Matthew tells us there are three significant sections in the genealogy. Abraham, David, and the exile. That's verse 17. That's just a summary of verse 17. Now, as we've seen on Sunday evenings recently, the promise to Abraham in Genesis chapters 12 and 15 is that through one of Abraham's offspring, all nations would be blessed. And Matthew is saying, Jesus is that one. Promised all those years ago to Abraham that one would come 
who would be a blessing to all nations. Jesus is the one. He's the descendant of Abraham we've been waiting for. Second, he's from the line of David. David was the great king of Israel. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God promised that his kingdom would be established through a descendant of David. Matthew says, Jesus is that descendant of David. Abraham, David, and then the exile. See, to be in exile is to be cast out of the presence of God. And Matthew says, in Jesus, the exile has ended. When we are in Christ, the exile has ended and we are back in the presence of God. He is with us always. Isn't that wonderful? You see, in his genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew shows us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the big promises of the salvation history of the Old Testament. Abraham, David, exile, they all come together in Christ. Now, with that in mind, come with me to the end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28. And see the language that is used uh, here in these verses. Of course, as we arrive at Matthew 28, Jesus has died on the cross, bearing the curse for sin, meaning that people from every nation, every tribe and language and nation can be freed from living under the curse of God and be blessed in Christ. Jesus has risen from the dead, demonstrating conclusively that he is the undisputed king of the entire universe. Even death can't hold him. Nothing can stop him. And so in Christ, we will never again be cast out of God's presence, but he will always be with us wherever we are. Now, that's what Matthew says here. Look at verse 19. Look at the language. Verse 19. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. All nations. You see, you can see it on the handout. It's the language of the promise to Abraham being fulfilled. You, one through your line, is going to be a blessing to all nations and go and tell all nations. Verse 18. Uh, Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority, the language of the king. Jesus is the promised king from the line of David with all authority in the whole creation, king of heaven and earth. And end of verse 20, Jesus says, and surely I'm with you always. Jesus is ever present with his disciples. The exile has ended. The point of all that is huge. If you've lost me, then here, come back. This is the point. Um, The bookends of Matthew's gospel, chapter one and chapter 28, tell us God's big gospel agenda for the world. It tells us the history of the world, to gather a people from all nations under the authority of Jesus so that we may be in his presence forever. That is the big thing that God is about in the world. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not saying he doesn't do other things and other things aren't important, but that is the big agenda. And everything else is a sideshow. And therefore, verse 19, we are to get on with that task. We are to get on the program. We are to go and make disciples of all people so that people of all nations and tribes and languages can be brought into God's family. Very simply, we're to get on with God's agenda as he gathers a people from all nations to eventually be with him forever. That, ultimately, is what motivates mission partners, or should be, to go to far-flung places and endure such difficult and trying circumstances. And on this Mission Sunday, that's what should motivate us Therefore, four steps for us. First, go. Uh, Note uh, on the handout. Go. 
verse 19, therefore go and make disciples. I'm quite struck by the thought that for years the church in this land hasn't had to go anywhere. Have you ever thought about this? For years and years and years in this land, people have come to us. We could spend a long time debating whether England was ever a a Christian country or not. I doubt it was. But um, what is not in dispute, I think, is that our laws and morals and values have been shaped hugely by a Christian worldview. And many from my generation and before had an allegiance with the church, even if they weren't wholehearted Christians. So people made contact with the church to get married or to get their children baptised or to um, have their loved ones buried. They'd have come to church at Christmas and Easter and at harvest time. Uh, People had a connection with the local church because they were sent to the local church to Sunday school by their parents. One way and another, the point is, for years, Christians in this land didn't need to go anywhere because people came to us. And so there's a steady stream of people, new people, coming to church and providing the church faithfully preached the gospel, people were converted. We didn't have to go, they came. Those days are largely gone. For all intents and purposes, the UK functions as a secular liberal democracy these days. And every year, fewer and fewer people have any connection with church or any inclination to go to church. Of course, I have wonderful stories, recent stories of people who've turned up at church through a baptism, a wedding, a funeral, or at Christmas or Easter, and then they've come along to a course like Christianity Explored, and and they're now disciples of Jesus Christ. Of course, that still happens. Glorious. But it is happening less and less. Because less and less people have any church affiliation or any sense of Christian connection or obligation. And so if ever we needed to heed the command to go, it is now. Indeed, if we do not get on the bandwagon of going, if we don't go, then there will be less and less Christians in church and eventually no churches in this land. Now, you see, overseas cross-cultural mission partners get this, don't they? They go. They see it. There are people all over the world, all around the globe, who need to hear the gospel. They know that those people are never going to come to us, so they go. Because they know that God's big agenda is to make disciples, and there's no other way to be saved than through Jesus Christ. So they go to people, how else will they hear? That said, living in a city like Sheffield, thousands of people from many different nations do flood into the city every year. International students arrive in their thousands to study. At the moment, millions of pounds worth of investment is pouring into the city from Asia and especially from China. You've seen all those high-rise going up there? A lot of that is Chinese money. And with the investment, Chinese businessmen and women are coming to the city to be sure their investment realises a substantial return. So many from the nations are coming to us. And in these next years, we have a unique opportunity to not only reach international students, but also international business people, and especially Asian and Chinese business people. They are coming to the city, which means we don't have to travel around the world to reach them. And they learn to speak English, which means we don't have to learn a foreign language. The world is on our doorstep, so we don't have to go far. But we do still have to go from here, from forward. 
we do have to go out of our way. We can't expect people to turn up on a Sunday or to come to events we lay on. We have to go. Uh, we have to go and be involved in the international cafe. That happens on a Monday. If you've got any heart for, the, uh, for international work or any sort of sense in which that's for you, then go to international cafe. I mean, you know, make sure that people know you're coming and, and, and get in touch with them, but go. We need to go to places where we can meet international business people. For some of you, that will simply mean going to work. I mean, we, we heard of Simon going to work uh, just earlier. But it does mean going to work with an attitude of someone who has gone with the gospel and then working out how to befriend people you meet at work so you can share the gospel with them. Uh, For a few years now, I've been speaking to other church leaders in the city to discuss how we can ensure that there is a Mandarin-speaking church in the city with an evangelistic focus. You know, a church set up and equipped to make disciples, not just to kind of gather already Christians, but really outward focused. And then not only to make disciples, but to make disciples who will be equipped to make disciples so that when they go back home to their countries, uh, other, other disciples will be made across the waters. We can't do it from forward. We need to go. And we must go to set up new churches in other parts of South Yorkshire because there's 1.2 million people in this region and not even 2% of them go to church. In this city, more people turn up to watch Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday every week than go to church across the entire South Yorkshire region. Isn't that telling? And desperately, many of those who go go, go to church go to churches where they don't hear the gospel because many churches have given up preaching the uniqueness of Christ and the saving message of Christ crucified for our sins. So they'll, they'll go to church, they'll never hear the gospel. It is desperate. I mean, desperate. So we must go and plant churches, because people won't come to forward. We've got to get living, breathing Christian communities in every area across the region. But planting churches is costly. I don't mean money. I mean it is, but I don't mean that. It means leaving this church family and leaving our homes. But the Oatridges have done it and the Norgates have done it and the Mangles have done it. And It means moving to another part of the region, but it is only another part of the region. It's not Cambodia or Hungary or the other place I'm not allowed to mention. It means getting our children settled into new schools, but those children are going to speak English, not You get the point. And because it's costly, we'll only do it when we see that there's no other way for people to be saved and that when we're moved by compassion for love for people and when we see that the big thing that God is doing in his world is this. Oh, and those of us who don't go overseas or to other parts of South Yorkshire, we must go to our friends and neighbours and colleagues and schoolmates and, and family who don't know Christ. Look, all of us will go somewhere tomorrow. We've just done that. That was a brilliant thing. I love love the fact that Chris did that. You'll go to work or you'll go to uni or you'll go to school or you'll have a coffee with your friends and you'll pop round to your neighbours. We all go somewhere tomorrow. The question is whether we'll go with a desire to make disciples. 
Vijay Menon, he's a great man. He used to be a Hindu, is now a Christian evangelist. If you've never met Vijay, well, once you do, you never forget him. Vijay Menon says this, every heart without Christ is a mission field and every heart with Christ is a missionary. Isn't that brilliant? It's very simple, but it's brilliant. That's the way he says it, well, it's brilliant. Now, if you believe that and wake up tomorrow with that approach, then wherever you go, you go as a mission partner. So go. And second, go with the authority of Jesus. Look at verse 18. Then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. There is, of course, no higher or greater authority in the universe than the authority that Jesus Christ has. But I reckon one of the things that makes us most reluctant to speak to our friends about the gospel is the fear of authorities. Is that not true? We are fearful at work that someone above us might come down on us like a ton of bricks if we speak about Jesus. And we have good reason to fear that because that does happen because we hear of stories of people who are reprimanded at work for speaking about Jesus. And we hear on the news of situations like the Ashes Bakery case where people standing true to Jesus Christ have been hauled through the courts. So yeah, we're fearful of the authorities in this land. I get that. I used to regularly go with a group of Christians to preach on the streets uh, in North London when I was at Oak Hill Theological College and in Hertfordshire when I was at Christchurch Ware doing my first curacy. And uh, whenever we did it, there were plenty of odd looks from people as they went past us. They thought we were a bit loopy. Occasionally there were aggressive characters, but not often. But no one ever stopped me from street preaching, ever. No one ever moved me on. Now, street preachers are asked to move on, told by the police to stop, cautioned that they are breaching the peace, and if they're not careful of what they say, accused of hate crime. Now, it feels as if it's illegal to preach Christ in this land. It isn't, but it feels as if it is, and so we fear the authorities. And we reason, surely Christians shouldn't break the law of the land, so we ought to be good, upright citizens, so we... But verse 18, Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. There is no higher authority in the entire universe. And he says, go and make disciples. He is the authority I should obey. Ah, that really helps me when it comes to speaking. And it also helps me when it comes to speaking to my friends. I've sat in evangelism training sessions where we've been told that we have to earn the right to speak to our friends and and I get what's being said and I must say I have sympathy with the idea. We would do well to befriend people and to share life with them and to build bridges so that we can speak to them about Jesus in an appropriate and sensitive way. In that sense, I agree. It is good for us to earn the right to talk to people about Jesus, but... As we look at verses 18 and 19, be sure we do not have to earn the right. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth and he has told us to go. He has given you and me the right to speak the gospel. Isn't that encouraging? You haven't got to earn the right. Do it sensitively. Do it appropriately. Don't go in like a bull in the china shop. Don't be a pain in the neck. But do speak. Indeed, let me turn it around. It is a moral outrage if I do not tell people the gospel. I don't have the right to keep it to myself. 
oh, look, this has been used before as an illustration, but I think it's a good one. Uh, if I had the cure for a disease that billions of people were dying from and I didn't share it, imagine the outrage. Well, I do have the cure for a problem that billions of people are dying with. I don't actually have the right to keep it to myself. So go with the authority of Jesus. And third, make disciples of all nations, verse 19. I'm sure we've all got this, but uh, just in case we haven't, in, thought, in Jewish thought, there are only two categories of people, Jews and Gentiles. And the Gentiles are the nations. If you weren't Jewish, you were Gentile. And because most of us here are not Jewish, most of us are Gentiles, we are the nations. Here tonight in this building are English, Scots, Welsh, Irish, Chinese, French, German, Taiwanese, Nigerian, South African, Dutch, and probably a number of others. I am sorry if I've left out your uh, nationality. So look, verse uh, 19 is not telling us that we have to do overseas mission. It's not go and tell people who are overseas. It is go and make disciples of all nations, the Gentiles, you and me, and people like us. The point is the gospel is for everyone, and so we must go and make disciples of everyone. And that does mean everyone, not just people from different countries, but people from different social backgrounds to us. My guess is that most of us look at people from very different social backgrounds, begging on the streets, walking the red light districts of the city, and we think they'd never become Christians. Or we look at people with very different attitudes to life, those in the office who live materialistic and hedonistic lifestyles, and we think, they'll never become a Christian. Or we look at people with lifestyles that are fundamentally opposed to God's way of living, our friends who sleep around, who have no qualms about walking all over others to further their career, who don't think twice about dodging the tax man, who swear like troopers, and we think they'll never become Christians. The gospel's not for them. Yes, it is. And we are to make disciples of all types of people. And see that it is make disciples, not make converts. Yes, people have to be converted, but just getting people to pray a prayer of commitment is not what God is about. And the next two things in these verses help us to understand what it means to make disciples. See verse 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And verse 20, teaching them. The two sub-points that I put on the handout. First, baptizing. Baptism signifies a new beginning. Water baptism is a picture of washing, of being cleansed from the past. Ah. Oh, Oh my, I remember so well. Uh, over 30 years ago, but I still remember it so well, that feeling of the past, my past cleansed. Oh, such a relief. I'm not dirty in God's sight anymore. I'm a clean person. That's what baptism signifies. And it involves repentance. So in chapter 3 of Matthew's Gospel, John the Baptist the Baptist, the baptizer, called people to repent. You see how they go together? Repentance is a, a decision, in my mind, to turn away from my old way of life and to start living a new way of life from now on, to live differently. There's no salvation without repentance. Baptism signifies that. Repent, and you will be cleansed. But making disciples um, doesn't end with baptism. 
Turning to Jesus in repentance and faith is just the beginning, a glorious beginning, but just the beginning, all the same. Second, we, we have to be taught, you see? Baptize them, verse 19, and verse 20, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. I was, um, I was hopeless at school. I mean, hopeless. I wasn't interested in learning anything. Just wanted to play sport. That was all I wanted to do. And so I left school with five O-levels, as they were called back then, GCSEs as they are now. I became a Christian when I was 20. Up to that point, I'd only ever read one book all the way through. I mean, I had read Janet and John Rainbow books, you understand, you know, books that were 10 pages long with the reading age of six and under. I'd read those books all the way through, but I'd only read one book that you'd call a book from cover to cover, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I have no idea why I read that, but I did. But when I became a Christian at 20, I wanted to learn. I started to read. I read my Bible. I read Christian books. I couldn't get enough good Bible teaching from great Bible teachers. I listened to cassette tapes. Yes, I'm that old. You don't even know what cassette tapes are. Yeah, no, you do. But I'm that old. And it was long before you could listen to things online. The point is, I wanted to learn. Disciples are learners. And so to make disciples, we need to teach. And we do want people to become disciples of Jesus Christ. And not least of all, because the more you know of him, the more wonderful he is, the more you want to serve him. Of course, we don't teach just so that people can fill their minds with information. Uh, Verse 20, uh, Jesus says, teach people to obey everything I've commanded. Disciples are people who don't just learn stuff. They are people who obey Jesus' teaching. Disciples are learners who live it, not just people who know it. And that is a crucial part of making disciples, which is why it's wonderful that, you know, every week there are a a zillions of one-to-ones going on all over the place. And most people, over 700, are in small groups learning the Bible together. It's brilliant. Be a learner, but don't let it stay here. We learn in order to live it, that we may obey everything that Jesus has commanded So go with the authority of Jesus. Make disciples of all nations and know that as we do that, end of verse 20, Jesus will be with us always. Isn't that wonderful? See, as we get on with God's big gospel plan for the world, then we can be sure he is with us. Isn't that encouraging? Doesn't it give you confidence to know that Jesus is with you always? You might not always feel that he's with you, but he is always with you. That's why Christian men and women go all over the world and into some of the most challenging of circumstances, ready to make sacrifices for Jesus Christ because they know that he is with them. They know that this is God's big gospel agenda and he is with them always. So how about it? Tomorrow. Wherever tomorrow takes you. Be in queue, at work, at school, or anywhere else, will you go to make disciples of all nations, whoever you come across? And not just tomorrow, but this year, will you have your diary and your wallet shaped by this? Will you use your time and your money to be about this? Using your time and your money to go about making disciples And not just tomorrow, not just this year, but the rest of your lives. 
Will you bring your life in line with God's gospel agenda for the world? So often, so often we reduce um, God to be about our little lives. This is what I'm doing. I've asked him into my life. He's going to come along my life. No, no, move your life into his agenda. For some of you, that will mean going overseas in cross-cultural mission. For some of you, going on church plants across South Yorkshire. For some of you, going to reach the internationals who come to this city. And for all of us, going to our colleagues and our friends and our neighbours and our family who at the moment do not know Jesus Christ. Go and make disciples. Let's pray. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that somebody went and told us. Uh, thank you that uh, somebody went out of their way to explain the gospel. Uh, thank you very much that you, our God, went to such extraordinary lengths uh, in the Lord Jesus, coming from heaven to earth, sacrificing yourself on a cross that we might be able to come to you. And so we pray that now we would be in that great line of disciples who now go and make other disciples who we trust will make other disciples. Now please would you help us to do it as hard as it is, but to be about it tomorrow, this year, and for the rest of our days. In Jesus' name, amen.